There we go. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Wire football podcast. Week 11, game three. First arm teams. <laughs> Jeremy here hanging out with Matt. Uh, Matt, we got games coming up. MWR.com is our website where you can find previews, betting stuff, uh, anything about this weekend's game, quarterback rankings, or horse race racing, horse race rankings, I should say. So, how you doing? Uh, you know, okay. it's a little cooler around here in these parts, which uh, for most people probably isn't a big deal. But for me as a Californian, it's, uh, I'm wearing a hoodie right now, all that. So you're telling me it's not snowing where you're at at the moment. No, no, <laughs> but it is But it is 40 degrees. That's, that's, that, that's chilly. <laughs> I'm not going to just it was, it was like It was like 80 degrees two weeks ago. I hear you. We had good weather, then dropped down the snow. But uh, we'll see. Today. I don't think there's any snow games this week, but we'll see. So I guess, but you, but you know what the uh, the the Mountain West race is heating up though. So Ooh, there you go. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice segue. And we're and we're just about at the halfway point already. Believe it or not, that's weird. All right, so it is a little weird. It is weird. First order of business: Air Force not playing Wyoming this weekend, which is no unfortunate. That was uh, announced um, earlier in the week, so it's back to back games. And I see also Army coach Jeff Monken still being a jerk, an idiot. Talking still, can we, can we give props to Craig Bull real quick? Yes, for just have... having having the appropriate perspective on this whole thing. Do you happen to have exactly what he said in front of you? Ah, you know what? I don't have that exact quote. Oh, here we go. I found it from uh, from Brent Bergman. So he said, uh, "I want to wish Air Force the very best as they're going through some trying times." Much different than they're faking it. They're ducking us. They're too injured. I'm like, that's how you act. It's be be nice. It's not hard to sympathize with covid come on yeah i guess if you're jeff monken it is but i get it's your bit of rival i get it's all that but it's whatever don't get your panties in a bunch coach monken relax be like coach bull so that game's off the books not gonna be played what also what should be noted with that game if air force were to somehow not somehow but like make their way toward the conference championship game mm-hmm. at this moment they would not be eligible due to the number of minimum games required. We mentioned this last week and earlier on when the schedule was out and all the guidelines. They're on the ice where six games had to be played in the league to qualify. And there, I, don't, I don't believe there have been enough canceled games because there's only been two to lower the threshold to five games. So that's something to keep an eye on. If Air Force goes 5-1 and one, or 4-1, and one, I should say, and that's their percent, winning percentage is put them high enough to be one or two and mm-hmm. no more games are canceled, they would not be eligible. So that's something to keep an eye out for that. I don't think they'll do it, but you never know what could happen, but that's um, something to look out for. Yeah. All right, so we have a Thursday game. Colorado State traveling to Boise State. 6 p.m. local time on the blue turf. FS1, not a super late game, so I like the time. That's not bad. 6 p.m. for me, 5 for you out there. Boise is a 14-point home favorite. Is that too much after Broncos trying to uh, get back on path after getting crushed by Boise State? Yes. You think it's too many points? <laughs> I think so right now. What do you think it should be? Because the Rams looked pretty good last week. I think it should be a lot closer to single digits than it is at a minimum because it seems like the the narrative, at least from my perspective around Boise State right now especially, is uncertainty. You know, even as as recently as like earlier today, like we, I think it was Brian Harson came out and said that they're expecting or they're hopeful. I think was the actual word that Rachel Roberts used uh, when she quoted him on Twitter about getting George Halani and Jack Sears and Hank Bachmeyer back. But hopeful is not the same as certain. And you know, both of those guys are still listed, at, you know, on the two deep one two are. at the quarterback <laughs> position. 
But I think we all saw last week what this team looks like if neither of those guys are there. And so, you know, if they're forced to turn to Cade Fennigan again, or if they're turn, forced to turn to Andy Peters, you know, is one week going to be enough to turn the, the turn around the kind of performance that they got from those two guys last week? Because it seemed pretty clear that they missed all of those guys for, you know, long stretches of the game until it was basically too late for them to, to come back. I would argue they need George Lottie more than any quarterback on the roster to be there. Okay, so why, why would you say that that is? Well, Cade Fennigan did reasonably well versus BYU. He had, did have an interception, unfortunately, but two touchdowns, 15 to 26. Wasn't going down the field very often, but he was um, reasonably efficient. And also, I wouldn't expect them to need to throw as much because the odds of the Rams having a blowout is less likely. Like them beating... Boise State like 40 to 10 or winning by more than two touchdowns seems highly mm-hmm. improbable but the running game was just downright abysmal versus BYU like Van Buren was I mean, not- but, but, but most of that production came in the second half when Boise State was already down by what four or five touchdowns by that point I get it but Van Buren wasn't exactly efficient either I mean, I, I guess I see your point, you know, to the, to, you know, to your point, you know, on the year, Halani only has 16 carries, but he was averaging six and a half yards when per also, carry. Khalil Shakir and, caught the ball from anybody. So who cares? Yeah. And Van, and Van Buren, by contrast, is averaging a shade under four yards a carry, which is not typically the kind of performance you, you become accustomed to getting from the Broncos run game. But I think... I mean, it's hard to say whether one is more important than the other just because I think one matchup that's really going to decide how this game unfolds is can Boise State's offensive line keep, you know, can they keep it together against a defensive line that has looked pretty good, you know, in the early going? You know, just in terms of they've been effective when it comes to running the football. Like even after last week, by line yards per carry, they're still fourth in the country. You know, they're still top five unit as far as like opportunity rate and power success rate and stuff rate. But the one thing I look at is in terms of like sack rate allowed, it's right around, you know, it's at 7% right now, which is slightly below the national average, 79th overall. And one thing that Colorado State has been very good about in their first three games, and especially over the last couple of weeks, is getting after the quarterback. You know, their own sack rate on defense is 12.7%. That's fourth. That's a huge step in the right direction. And it's not just one guy doing it either. You know, Scott, pa- Scott Patchen's come on strong. Manny Jones had a really good week last week. Toby McBride, as we mentioned, is healthy and, and being really productive. So to me, that is where the game really turns because, you know, obviously if those guys can be disruptive, then it's not going to really matter who's at either of those positions. If the offensive line can't do its job for yeah. Boise, you know the Rams could have this game in their hands to be able to do what they want to do. I agree. It's a combination, but I would, yeah, the offensive line. Because here's the thing: if they can protect whoever's back there throwing, that's going to be much. It's going to be beneficial to finding Khalil Shakir catching ten for one thirty-five like last week versus BYU. Mm-hmm. I, I just think the running game, get that going, it'll open up more things for them. So, because here, who, who would you rather, like, like who would you rather have back? I, I already said to mention George Juan. Do you think the passing is more important than the running game? Yes. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I do. Because, because out, you know, I, we, I think we've, we've seen enough from Bachmeyer both in last year and this year that, you know, he can hang in and, and make the big play down the field. You know, he can get the ball 
you know, he's ball around, keep the Rams from being able to focus so much attention on one guy. You know, and I imagine that that guy would probably be Shakir because, you know, even when the Broncos were down late in the second half last week against the Cougars, you know, he found a way to get open, make plays in more ways than one. And so that's where I start looking at this matchup is, you know, if, if Finnegan is under center, then this team is in deep trouble. But I think if Bachmeyer is under center, even with Van Buren behind him in the backfield, I would give them a much better chance than if it were the other way around and Holani was behind, you know, Finnegan or uh, Peters. Well, we can agree to disagree. That's fine. I might say it's not beneficial, but I, that's just our thoughts. That's fine. Hey, hey, we don't always have mm. to agree on everything because sometimes that happens and it can be boring. Yeah. So what about the Rams side? They made, as we mentioned, Stevie Dazio last week, decided to smarten up and go with Patrick O'Brien, not try to outthink and pull a Winkler to put in Todd Centennial in there to play quarterback. Stick with the guy who could throw the ball and play quarterback. And O'Brien is that guy. Assuming, like, look what happened last week when Trey McBride was back, when um, mm-hmm. Dante, um, oh, geez, um, why am I spacing? Dante Wright. I don't know why I spaced out Dante Wright. I'm like, Dante Warren? No, there's Warren Jackson. Dante Wright, I don't know why that kind of slipped my mind. Like, having those guys back are key. And that is, I think, how they're going to win. Because their running game is also a mess compared to what Boise did last week. Their running game, their depth isn't very good. It's like McElroy's not what they want to be. They're barely getting, not even getting three yards to carry. And going up against a Boise defense, even though they're missing, they're down a couple guys, like a key starter, they mm-hmm. still need to get that somewhat effective because secondary for Boise, even though we got, they got torched by Zach Wilson last week for a 350, bunch of touchdowns, it's an area where that could maybe happen again. Like with O'Brien slinging the ball downfield, he gives them the best chance. So there's no reason for Centennial to play more than what five to eight carries, like or snaps that they want to get him in to get to snap the or not snap a spark to running game. That would be a key mm-hmm. reason to bring him in. But just sling the ball and throw it. And if your running game works, it works. But they gotta be above like three point two a carry. They can't be like two point seven and hope to beat Boise State and rely one hundred percent on O'Brien throwing for like three eighty or something. I mean, what I would look for is a similar kind of performance to what you saw in the first half when, you know, even though the offense was, you know, missing an action for long stretches, the defense tried to do everything it could to stay in the game, and especially when it came to being disruptive, they've still been pretty good about getting to the to the quarterback as well. You know, they had three sacks last week against BYU, and, you know, their own sack rate on defense isn't that much different than that of the Rams. You know, the Rams are a top five team, but Boise State's 17th, 9.5% overall. And, you know, as a team, they still managed eight tackles for loss last week, too. Most of that came in the first half when they were just trying to hang on and, and give the offense a chance to succeed. So I think if, you, if you're if you Boise State on defense, that's what you're hoping to get again, you know, because Colorado State's, you know, running game especially has taken a step in the right direction. Barely. But I still wouldn't necessarily say that they're, like, one of the elite running games in the in the conference. And so I think, you know, if they can shut down Marcus McElroy and Ajon Bivens, if they can force Patrick O'Brien to take more of the game plan into his hands, you know, and force them to become more one-dimensional, then I think it gives them a shot. Because one of the other things that I think is still maybe a lingering question about this team is how much are they going to be able to get their secondary weapons involved? Because through three weeks or two weeks, rather, it's really been kind of a two man show in the passing game between uh, Dante Wright and Trey McBride, the tight end, you know, uh, Nate Craig Myers only has five catches. EJ Scott only has four catches. 
And I think you're going to need more than one, you know, one or more of those guys to step up and at least take a little bit of the attention off of McBride and Wright in order to, you know, help the Rams get the upper hand in this game. You know, I, I definitely agree. Like, because if Avery Williams or whoever in that secondary can slow those guys down, who else is he going to throw the ball to? They don't. They, mm-hmm. Nate Craig Myers hasn't showed up this year. And you're hoping that would have been a guy to um, be their number three guy, which he probably technically is. Maybe that could be a way for him to step up. And Boise does slow down those other two primary targets. TBD, but I would, you're right. I think they, they do need to have O'Brien throw to a few different people, mixed up a little bit. It's fine if they're your top two guys, but like when you look at last week versus uh, Wyoming, it was basically 10 to right, five to McBride, one, two, three other, one completion to three other players. Yeah, those two guys got the lion's share of the targets as well as the the actual production. Maybe Tommy Collett could come up because he didn't play two weeks ago. He played last week. So if they spread it around, get the running game decent, like I I agree with you. Like what we, the unknown about Boise State, I probably would stay away from the line if you're actually going to put harder harder and cash on it. But Mm -hmm. 61 seems about right. I think there'll be a lot of points had. But like I, let's just move the predictions now. I'm leaning more Boise State to win outright, but I would think it'd be somewhat close despite the history between these two teams. But if Boise rolls out third string quarterback and George Lonnie doesn't play, I could see, a, I could not kidding, see a loss if they're playing with multiple backups. Yeah. So um, the advanced numbers seem to favor the Broncos as well. Like even despite all the uncertainty, uh, SP plus has them by 14.7. That's an 80% win probability. Uh, FEI has it by a, a little more than that. They favor Boise State by 17.6. That's a lot, man. 17.6? Is this included? Like, does that take FEI take into consideration like injuries and questionable status? Or probably not. No, it does not. It is simply a measure of just offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, you know, points per drive, things like that. FPI, 85% chance for Boise to win. Who you got? I got Boise winning, but I, I got maybe, maybe I need to double check our chart here by um, the Google Doc. But um, I think, I think the Rams could cover this, but not win. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Same. How are you feeling? You know what? Oh. You know what? Oh, do it! Give me the Rams in this one. Outright. Yes. There we go. We I, just, have... like, I, I mean, I think if I knew that Bachmeyer and Hawani were going to be there, I feel like the, the Broncos would be able to win a close one. Like, I, I feel Even like this is not your, wait, your, wait. your older brother. Wait, hold on, hold this on. Is not... Full strength, a close one? Yeah. Ooh. I mean, I think Colorado State's probably a little bit better than I anticipated they would be, especially on the defense side of the ball. Like, if they can give Boise State's offensive line fits, you know, I was – a little more rosy about their, you know, their outlook in that unit coming into the year. But that's, you know, something that a lot of Boise State fans point to is as an ongoing point of concern. And, you know, they got beat up last week by BYU. They did short week. They, Crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I think it's going to be a competitive game, you know, even if Boise State's you know, even have to roll out their third or fourth string quarterback again. Um, but yeah, give me the Rams in this one. I'm going to take them 31 to 28. 31 28. I guess I could give my score prediction. I'm going to lean 30. You said you said 34 28. 31 28. 28. I'm going to go. I'm going Boise, but I think it'd be like 34 28. Or no, not. No. no. What am I doing? No. 
More points. Give me more points. 37-30 for Boise State. 37-30. So lots of points. I'll take the over. Speaking of that, let's just get to this right now. Our buddies over at my book. We got to give them their love they deserve. We got college football, clearly. College basketball, I guess, will start in two weeks, right? Does that sound about right, Matt? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they, they're updating the schedule. They've been doing that. There's been very few, very few schedules. NFL is going on. So no shortage of games to watch. Obviously, thousands of lines as we discussed this line here, which uh, Matt does not like for Boise's dates. He's going out right for the Rams. So if you want to put a couple bucks at my bookie, Take your pick. Take my pick or Matt's pick. It doesn't matter. Just saying. So the big favorites are Boise State, clearly. So maybe do a parlay. We got a bunch of games this weekend. You could pick Utah State to cover if you're feeling frisky. I don't. I wouldn't recommend that, but just saying. There's plenty of options to parlay to do a whole Mount West weekend if you want. So you got a chance to turn that ordinary bets into a huge real money maker. Matt, would you do a parlay this week? Is that on your on the table? There's a lot of big spreads in this week. Um, I mean, if I were feeling bold, I don't see why not. Go for it. As they say, underdogs have a ton of value. So somewhere in NFL, college football, you got Sunday all weekend to do it. So you got spreads, futures. As I always like to mention, player prop bets. So it's kind of like a fantasy football-like thing, type thing. So if you think um, what, Ronnie Rivers will get 225 total yards, he got that last week. Why not try that again? That's that's risky, but you never know, exactly. right? It's always fun. So never too late to get in the action. So here's what you can get when you sign up over at my bookie. Use our code OVERTIME. Claim a deposit, um, dollar to dollar. Um, not excuse me, deposit not dollar for dollar. Apologies, let me rephrase that. Fifty percent bonus. So you put a hundred bucks in, get fifty. Put five hundred, two fifty. So you get that fifty percent bonus. Are using our code overtime. So sign up today and um, go have some fun and make some bucks, right? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Saturday. Exactly. Saturday games. You ready for Saturday? No Friday games. Yeah, let's do it. Because wasn't Air Force Wyoming a Friday game? I think so. I don't remember that off the top of my head without looking at it. That's fine. No, not a problem. All right, so the first game, for actually not the first game, but the first thing we didn't mention, find FS2 on your dial. Because three of the four games are on FS2. You know what the easiest way to do it, Matt? Use our code for Fubo TV to get a free week, right? Yes, and the best way to access that is just look at uh, any of our previews that will be rolling out over the next few days. Uh, we will be sure to have that link, that information included in each of those. And I believe it's also on YouTube TV, Hulu. Um, most cable subscribers have it. depends on your level. But just remember, FS2. So that's like probably in my DirecTV, it's probably 600-something. I'm not entirely sure. But just search FS2 and your local cable provider. If not, we hook up with that uh with a FUBA, but Fresno State at Utah State, no fans in attendance in this game due to what's going on in Utah for the COVID. Probably 12, for the best anyway. Clearly, definitely for the best. 12.30 p.m. local time. 10-point Fresno road favorite seems um, – you you couldn't give me enough points. I'd still take Fresno probably. And, the, and that line dropped. Am I seeing that right? I don't know how it moved. I I'm, seeing it right that it op- I'm seeing that it opened at 15 and dropped to 10, and I have no idea why. Utah State betters are feeling frisky with Frank Molly being their uh, interim head coach. I mean, maybe. This team, speaking of Utah State, they're not going to win. I could just end it right there, but they are 
power pole this week? Twelfth for me. I think they ended up being tied for twelfth for the entire yeah. staff poll. They like I was hopeful with Jalen Warren, maybe that he could do something, but there's no word on quarterback. It's probably gonna be Jason Shelley again, but you got Andrew Peasley back there who did a little bit, the retro freshman. But, like, there's nothing that makes me confident Utah State could stay close because Fresno's offense looks really good. Like, we made the uh, remark about Ronnie Rivers in 225 total yards. I could see him double, not doubling, but, you know what I mean, getting a good chunk, like doing something similar to last week where he gets 115 on the ground and maybe 50 through the air. Like, I could easily see him getting 150 combined yards minimum. But Utah State has a lot of 34 points, 37 points, 38 points, excuse me, 42 versus Boise State. Like, this schedule has been tough, and Fresno is better than we thought, Matt. So this is clearly – it's well, not clearly, but I'd say it's a slight step down to competition, but not that much. Okay, so he, here's the thing. If you're looking for the optimist's case for Utah State in this game, I'm, in, in one week I have a hard time imagining that they're going to be able to you know, overhaul the entire offense or anything like that. But one thing to keep in mind in this game is that – at least in two of the first three games, they've had trouble containing mobile quarterbacks, the Bulldogs have. Mm -hmm. And if nothing else, that's what Shelley brings to the table, even if there's still some very serious questions about his ability to push the ball down the field and, and their ability to just generate you know, explosive plays in the passing game. But the only team in the conference to allow more 20-yard plays right now than Fresno State is UNLV. Hmm. And so if you're looking for a place for them to start, you know, maybe they have a chance to break out some more of the zone read because you know they're probably going to want to lean on Warren and DeMonte Henry Cole anyway. And, you know, if Shelley breaks loose for, you know, one or two big gains, that might be the spark that Utah State needs that they've been really sorely lacking in the first three games of the season. No, I agree, but the running game hasn't been good. That's a problem. Like they want to lean on those guys, but I why? You know what I mean? Like no, not, I, mean, not... I, I mean I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying that's really where Fresno State has been been hindered because the you know there's a huge disparity between the advanced numbers as far as defending the run and you know you know being able to rush the passer. Like for, you we talked about it a minute ago with Boise State and Colorado State having a really effective pass rush. Fresno State's in that same conversation too. They had six sacks last week from, from six different players. And their season sack rate right now is 10.5%. That's 10th in the country. But when you compare that to what they've done defending the run, you know, they're 97th as far as uh, line yards per carry. You know, they're in the triple digits as far as stuff rate and opportunity rate. So there may be opportunity there for Warren and Henry Cole to make some hay in a way where, you know, against some of the tougher defenses in the conference. Like, let's not let's not forget that they played San Diego State. They played Boise State. They played top three teams, you know, Nevada. Some of the top three. And, and Fresno State's not far from that conversation right now. Like, they win this game, you know, depending on how things break out elsewhere, they could be in, in one of the two top spots by the end of the weekend. But there's opportunity there for Utah State to get their ground game on track if Fresno State, you know, plays the same kind of way that they did, especially in that first half against UNLV. You know, Max Gilliam and Charles Williams were able to to make some noise in that first half and really keep the Rebels in the game. It's not impossible that the Aggies could do the same thing. Yeah, look at opener Shavon Cordero rushed for over 100 yards, QB. And, exactly, and, and that's why um, Steve Adazio went with uh, Centennial to try to match that production. And Shelley, like he he has some wheels, he moves a little bit, but that you're right. That's probably the area if Utah State is going to take advantage and have success moving the ball. 
that's really what they're going to need too. But I want to see what the what Frank the Maley does, the interim coach. Like they have to speaking of Aggies, have to throw the ball downfield. Like you can't have these four. Like we talked in the recap, like they have no big play receivers or not even a big guy receiver to get those intermediate or longer pass catches. Like throwing short yardage, but when they threw do throw downfield, they do have a couple of decent plays and that went for touchdowns. And so, I mean, just to, to drive that point home because I didn't different. realize how grim it was after three games. Do you know how many ten-yard plays they have through the air through three games? Two. Not quite. I mean, they have that many twenty-yard plays. Okay, if, they have I'm, seven ten-yard seven plays of more than ten yards in passing game. Unacceptable. It's not great. Let, let, by, com, by comparison, Nevada has forty-seven, <laughs> and 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 Fresno State has thirty-two, which is second. You almost made me spit on this new soundboard here. I'd have been fired. So good. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm like, like come around. <laughs> oh yeah, don't get fired. Same same as on Twitter. You know? <laughs> I know, but uh, yeah, but you're right. It's like here's my thing. What do they have to lose? They're literally terrible. They're zero and three. The odds of Frank Mayley keeping this job as permit basis is slim to none. Just open up the playbook and chuck it downfield. Do what you can. It's like mm-hmm. go five wide. I don't know what they're going to be a big, a huge change, but they need to do something quite different. And why not try to get to Fresno State? Like run the ball well, move it. But on the flip side, does Utah State have anybody? Utah State's not showing to stop anybody either. Like remember the points I mentioned? They're giving up almost forty points a game. They scored only mm-hmm. twenty nine all year. So like I expect like Ronnie Rivers to have a huge day running the ball, like or, or catching the ball, or whatever he does. He's the uh, basically like Christian McCaffrey of college football at the moment here. What Ronnie in the Mountain West? Like he'll mm-hmm. ca- catch eight passes, five passes, get a hundred plus yards kept receiving on both ends. But I don't know. how <laughs> – I don't know what they're going to do defensively against this team. Could there be like Jay Kaner? Like, is he going to have like a, his first 400 yard game? Maybe. I mean, I think, you know, Utah State's got an opportunity there too. I think it's maybe not quite as clear cut as it is in, you know, as far as their offense versus, versus State's defense. But I think, you know, if they sell out to put pressure on Hayner, they might be able to force him into mistakes because, you know, that was another thing that really enabled UNLV to stay in the game last weekend. And that was one thing that really helped the game get away from them in, in Hawaii's favor back in the season opener was, you know, they put pressure on Hainer and they forced him to make mistakes. And even in terms of like tackles for a loss, the two teams are actually even with each other through three weeks. Like Fresno State has 23 tackles for losses. The team, Utah State's at 21. And in terms of, you know, you know, their overall sack rate, it's its not quite as outstanding as the Bulldogs, but they've been above average. And I think that that's something you might be able to hang your hat on because it's one of those things that, you know, they haven't had one guy that you could focus on to be like, okay, that's the guy we got to stop in order to shut that element of the game down. What is it? Like three, I'm trying to look it up on the fly, you know, three, four, five, six different guys have at least one sack. And so I think if they can, you know, if they can put pressure, if they're willing to blitz, I think they might have a chance to keep Hainer in that passing game off kilter. But if they can't get home, that's where things start to get a problem because we've already seen from Hainer over the first couple of weeks, like even despite the mistakes, they've been able to create a lot of big plays. Like I mentioned uh, a minute ago, 32 plays uh, of more than 10 yards. And I think they're, they've got about half of that as far as 20 yard plays, 12, 12 plays through the air of, of over 20 yards. So, you know, that is another potential mismatch, but that might also be another, you know, degree, another element of this game where Utah State can keep it close 
if they can, you know, push things in their favor and get home. You're right. Like looking back at the Nevada box score, they had 10 TFLs, four sacks. So they, mm. they're getting back there. It's uh, and clearly we both know Fresno's not going to throw as much as Nevada did because that's not what their game plan is. But mm-hmm. I just, you're right. That's like their one chance to get in there, maybe because like Ben Woodridge played a lot, but it, like they only beat UNLV by 13 points, and he still came in for 12 pass attempts. So it wasn't yeah. like his. I mean, they, they game. forced mistakes. They forced mistakes late and mm-hmm. didn't really make any critical mistakes on offense. But that's not to say that they're not prone to it if Utah State can force that issue. Yeah. Which is a big if, but it's not off the table. But if they start running the blitz, they'll throw the little screen passes to Rivers or whatever and just throw it over the top when they bring in eight guys and we will be off the races. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if they keep focusing on Rivers as much as they have in the early going, then there's going to be a lot of pressure on the linebackers, especially you know Nick Henninger or, or Andre Grayson and that kind of nickelback role to keep him contained. I think they're going to have to keep someone on him, you know, maybe two guys on him to keep him from, from breaking loose. All right, I got one question here before we get to predictions. Will okay. Will Utah State have a hundred yard passer for the first time all year? Yes. <laughs> As he says hesitantly, like oh, it has to. I think they'll. I think they'll get the benefit of garbage time. Finally, dude, they've been getting blown out. They've been getting done a garbage time. You, you you've got to believe. That's all I'm gonna say. All right, you got to. All right. So what does FPI and or FEI and SP Plus say for this one? So surprisingly, SP Plus sees this one as a fairly close game. They favor the Bulldogs, but only by 6.6. That's a 65% win probability. Um, FEI is uh, roughly the same, actually. They they also favor Fresno State, but only by 5.2. Not feeling it. No way. <laughs> no. So what's your prediction? What do you got here? Honestly, the like Fresno State minus 10 feels like stealing. If I'm being totally honest. It does. Um, give me the Bulldogs, forty-two to thirteen. Forty-two to thirteen. Yeah. Wow. And he'll they're get, they're gonna light them up. I'm and, sorry, Aggies fans. And they'll get a hundred yards in process by only scoring thirteen points. Garbage time. Forty-two thirteen pushes the over under at fifty-five. Just say so you no. Know. <laughs> <laughs> of course, naturally. Uh, I don't want to be that much. I think I'm gonna go a little bit less. I'm gonna go like thirty-four-seven. So right still clearly an easy victory, but not quite the blot you're going for. So next game, Hawaii at San Diego State, 1 p.m. Pacific. It's on the Team 1 Sports app, just so you know. And, Matt, you said it's on mm-hmm. local TV there in San Diego. It finally got um, settled? Yeah, so credit to uh, Kirk Kenny of the San Diego uh, Union-Tribune. Uh, he got the details first, I believe. Uh, it's supposed to be on local television in San Diego on Channel 4. I think that's NBC four, I believe, out in the area. So yeah, if nothing, if nothing else, I would say just make sure you double check. You know, at Aztec FB, the San Diego State football Twitter, they should have all the information you need there. Exactly. And of course, we'll have that in our previews as well. Yeah, it wasn't in our game notes because that wasn't put out yet. So I guess it's a last minute deal. So afternoon game again. ESPN still says it's at SDCC Stadium. False. It's about a hundred miles up the road. So this game, I am. I am fairly surprised it's an 11-point home favorite for San Diego State. That seems a bit much because, not just because they lost last week to San Jose State, where it was a um, 28-17 game. First off, Aztecs don't have the offense to get to extend the lead to win by double-digit points very often. Like, they beat UNLV easily and Utah State, but those are two of the worst teams. When they've played a team with a pulse, they only scored 17 points. 
quarterback play is fine with Carson Baker, not great. The running game took a step back, but I I don't think this is going to be that 17 to 13 game a couple years ago that clinched the war, or maybe it was last year, I guess, to clinch the uh, West Division. But mm-hmm. I do think what we saw is Shavon Cordero finally stepping up out of his shell and getting his first touchdown of the year last week, going for 400 yards, I believe it was. But he was playing versus New Mexico, so you got to take that caveat. But I do think Hawaii mm-hmm. took a big step in game th- three of the new offense with Todd Graham. Like, they still need a running game to go forward, but I think they're kind of rounding out the, sh- out the form. Yeah, I mean, I think this, this year's game is going to look a lot different than last year's game, I think. Just because when you think about the Hawaii offense against the San Diego State defense, the one thing that both of these teams have done really well is run the football. And so I think it's going to start up front because, you know, we talked about, you know, the disparity in, in some of the advanced metrics and with other teams. But one thing that really jumps out to me is that at least through in the early going, Hawaii right now is sixth in terms of line yards per carry on offense you know, they're a top 10 team in opportunity rate. They're third in the country in stuff rate allowed on offense. Um, but, you know, in terms of when it comes to drop back to pass, they're in the triple digits nationally. And so I think they're going to try and avoid those situations as much as they can and make it more of a, a ball control game than you might have expected this game to be in years past. And so I think it's all going to start up front for the Aztecs. That's where they had a lot of success, you know, last week. They didn't let San Jose State run wild necessarily, but they gave up just enough passing plays that the Spartans were able to keep things moving and and stay balanced so that, you know, the the Aztecs couldn't really key on one element of the game or the other. But they've been very effective as far as stopping the run, and and so that's where I expect them to try to win this game up front, is to, to win on early downs, to shut down the Hawaii running game, force Cordero to make plays through the air. Because they didn't necessarily need to run the ball that much against New Mexico last week. The Warriors did, but it's New they're go- they're gonna need that element this yeah. week. They're gonna need to stay balanced because you know if they can force Cordero into a lot of third and long situations, they could you know force they could force him into a mistake and and tilt the game in their favor. Before we move on, I did find some more more clarification on the TV television options in this game. So channel okay. four, it's not NBC affiliate; it's a cable channel. So okay. the only way to watch is if you have Spectrum or Cox. Um, or excuse me, um, yeah, I guess Spe- I guess Spectrum's in San Diego as well, correct? Yes. Yeah, so, I I don't know that off the top of my head. I would assume so. Sorry, I looked that incorrectly. So it's because they get Spectrum Hawaii. Sorry. So if it's only on mm-hmm. Cox or Spectrum cable in San Diego County only. So if you're outside of the area to get the T1 Sports app. So basically, if you have Directv, Dish, or any other providers out there. Like I don't know what I'm gonna say, sling, but you know what I mean. Like you can't watch the game. You have to have those two providers. If not, you have to get on the uh, T-Bone Sports app. So I want to bring that up so people are aware. So gotcha. Yeah. So it's a cable channel. You, I guess it's your view, formerly Channel Four San Diego. So that's what it's called. So that's kind of the detail. So if you don't have those two providers, Cox or Spectrum, Spectrum Cable, T-Bone Sports app is where you're at. So back to the game here. But you're right. Where they have to be, Hawaii needs to be more versatile. They can't rely d- directly on Cordero's shoulder or Jared Smart floating in the end zone to catch those passes in the corner. Mm-hmm. But one thing I noticed about Hawaii football, like what were what like it's almost like last year, but the production's not quite the same in who's catching the ball. Like last week, Nick Mardner, who thought he would have been the leading guy six for one forty seven, Zion Bowens had that crisscrossing touchdown. Or no, that's right, that's Calvin Turner. But like these three guys, Jared Smart 
I say only six, but he had the two point conversion. Rico Busty Busey, only five catches. It's not the guys who we thought would be at the top, which is good because we figured it'd be it'd be smart and Busty would be the top two guys. But Mardner, <clears throat> Bowens, Turner, all these other guys are stepping up, which is good for this offense because we know they want to pass it around. And so, <clears throat> well, um, not, not Hawaii, sorry, San Diego State can't focus on just this guy or that guy, which can help, like, Matt, if the running game doesn't get going, they still have enough options at throwing the ball to help them out, but they still want to have mm-hmm. Miles Reed do better than 5 for 27 or Day-Day Hunter get more than eight carries. Like, yeah. it's not going to go well. Like, I can almost guarantee, almost, that if Shavon Cordero is the leading rusher as well, they're not going to win this game. Yeah, I mean, I think another thing that's going to really determine this game one way or the other is which quarterback is going to have the better performance on third down. Because one thing that both Cordero and Carson Baker have in common in the first few games is that neither of them have really covered themselves in glory. You know, uh, know, um, sorry, I'm looking at that. Somehow I'm looking at the same tab twice. Um, You know, Cordero (laughs) has a... He has, he's only completed 52% of his passes on third down. He had, doesn't, you know, he has two interceptions and only seven conversions. That's not going to get it done. I'm trying to look up Baker's statistics on the fly. Um, you may need to vamp for me for well, a moment what, while like, I do when you look that. At Baker, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, like he doesn't need to be Ryan Lundley. He needs to be Christian Chapman. Mm-hmm. And he's doing okay on that. But also one thing to note, actually I was bringing this up now, Aztecs have a running back opting out this year too, Chase Jasmine. So yeah, like... well, and he, he's not the, he's not the only one that's opted out in the last week. Ooh, you mentioned Zion Bowers a little uh, a minute ago. He opted out as well as I believe defensive lineman Bubba Waa for Hawaii. Oh, I, why did Zion? Whoa, why did Zion Bowens opt out? I did not see that. Uh, I don't know. He had two touchdowns on two or, catches last or, week. What are you oh, doing? I'm sorry. I'm about was. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong name. Um, What's it? What is his name? Bowers. Excuse me. Okay. I'm like Zion Bowers. That's a di- different different player. About <laughs> okay. to say it would be kind of weird for someone to be as productive as one was on them. Part of it with Jasmine. It looks like Zach it, Bowers, linebacker. Bowers, excuse me. Yeah, okay. For Jasmine, it looks like it could be an injury issue because he had a uh, hamstring about a month ago, month and a half ago. So mm-hmm. it might be with how deep it is a running game. It's like why not that because you could come back regardless for another season. Yeah. So it could be more of a health thing. It's like why wrestle and struggle through an injury where you may not play mm-hmm. because you're already deep there. Like you get Greg Bell, Chance Bell, Jordan Bird. So like he only rushed the ball five times. So that's something to look out for where it dings their depth a little bit, but um, he'll be fine. Like last year he had a thousand yards. Like he'll yeah. be better. I, I, I did, I did find uh, Baker's stats on third down, by the way. Does he, how many um, passes does he have? <laughs> yeah. So on the season, he's only eight of 19. That's a 42% completion rate. He only has six first down conversions. So, like I said, they've been roughly as productive, which is to say neither of them have been that productive on third downs. <laughs> and they might need that element because even if it gets to third and mid or third and long, whichever team I think can fourth more of those situations is going to have the upper hand. I do too. I think I have a weird suspicion. Like the over-under, I looked at it, I thought it would be lower, but at 53 it might be seem about right. Like mm-hmm. Aztecs, here's the thing. They can. They're not the old Aztecs. Like I don't like to mention. I don't think it's gonna be like last year's game, but like they put up decent points. Okay, I get it. You on V and USU, but if they're saying fifty three, Aztecs by eleven, they're saying be like it could be like they're gonna score thirty plus. That I think both teams could score over thirty in this game. Like Hawaii's defense isn't amazing. It's better. It's 
not terrible by any stretch of the means, but if the Aztecs get the running game going and if Baker's a touch better than the season average on third down, like I don't see why not because look at the Wyoming game. Wyoming's offense, I'd say, is a would say it's a little bit better than San Diego State or comparable. I would say that maybe San Diego State's a little bit better on defense. And they score Wyoming scored thirty one points against Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And so there's that to consider. So that's why, but I don't think Hawaii's gonna be stuck at seven points. I just think, um, I don't know, like maybe I'm being too high in Hawaii because they only put up 19 versus Fresno. They only they end up winning a lot or scoring a lot versus UNM, but they started off slow as well. I, I just think I mean it's it's gonna it's gonna be an opportunity for the Aztecs run game to get back on oh, track yeah. from last week because mm-hmm. you know just in terms of you know week by week production, um, you know Hawaii's run defense is trending in the wrong direction. Like on the season, it's right around five yards of carry up uh, allowed, but you know against Fresno State it was three point two, against Wyoming it was four point seven, as well as four touchdowns allowed on the ground, and then against the Lobos last week at home seven point three. So you're 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 getting into pretty dicey territory where if you're the Aztecs and you just want to assert yourself on the ground and and stay out of those third and long situations, there's an opportunity for them to make hay in that regard. I, I think they can. They, they have so many running backs. It's like why not? Why can't it work? Just you're you're playing bad. Next guy up. Next guy. Next guy. Um, for the end result for this game, I. I think the eleven's too. I think whatever it's going to be, it's going to be at worst a Hawaii cover. I just mm-hmm. when these two teams play, it's just weird. Like the game last year, seventeen to thirteen or whatever it was, very few points. Fourteen to eleven. Oh, actually. Four, geez, 14, 14, 11. Even worse than my nightmare thought. Twenty five points in a game. Um, I I want to lean San Diego State, but I'm not going to be shocked if Hawaii can find some holes in that secondary, just because for how much they throw and who they throw to. Because again, remember, they're not throwing like one or two guys; they're throwing to six to eight guys. And mm-hmm. if they can do that, Aztecs can't cover them all, right? I mean, they could. They've still got a very strong <laughs> secondary. Yeah, I guess so, but it'll be difficult if they have that many guys who are catching all these passes. I mean, if you're if you're leaning San Diego State, the the advanced metrics, the advanced numbers may make you feel a little better about that. Um, SP Plus does favor the Aztecs by nine. Hmm. That's a seventy percent win probability, and FEI uh, also favors San Diego State by twelve. I will say I'm going to go thirty to twenty-one San Diego State. Because what I saw of Hawaii, like the secondary does concern me for, or I guess when you're looking at Hawaii pass offense versus pass defense for Aztecs there, well, I saw I saw a million throws with Cordero overthrowing guys. And if there's tight coverage, he's not going to be able to, if he reverts that a little bit, I think he'll have an okay game, but I just don't think they can keep up to do enough because the defense is going to stop him enough on San Diego State. But yeah, I think that 30 to 21 mark is, sounds about right. For these two teams, like Aztecs should be able to score. They'll probably get a turnover here or there in short field to help them out. And this will be a chance to get the running game going. So I think it'll be competitive, but I'm going to lean that way towards San Diego State. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a pretty frustrating game if you're a Warriors fan. Because I think they'll be able to make, you know, some, I think they'll be able to move the ball a little bit down the field. But I don't know if they're going to be able to do it consistently against this defense. And if they fall behind, that's exactly where San Diego State wants them. So I think it'll be relatively competitive. What's the line on this game again? 11. 11. I would take Hawaii to cover. Me too. But I would take the Aztecs to win. I've got 27 to 17 Aztecs win. Yeah, I think that's about right. All right, next game. New Mexico hosting, or well, 
Sorry, let's rephrase that. Nevada played New Mexico at Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas. Air quotes. Yeah, air quotes. 17 and a half points for Nevada. You know how I said you couldn't pay me enough to take Utah State in the points? This is the game I really should mm-hmm. take, put everything on for points, right? Um, we should note Tabaki Toyota out with a concussion. Not starting. Oh, that's true. He is gone, and he actually looked pretty – Like, uh, sorry, I don't mean to say actually looked good, but he has been look, looking well for the games he's played so far this year. He's been reasonably well, but he's not playing. That gets rid of basically their one real great playmaker – so that's a problem for them. They're going mm-hmm. to have um, who's starting here? Shoot, I had his name. Trey Hall. Trey Hall. He played some last year, so he's not like a brand new guy, but he still hasn't played this year, and that's a problem. And then Nevada's like, there's no way they're going to go toe to toe with this Nevada offense. This offense, like, when you look at not just the Mountain West is the best. Like, look nationally, like. I don't want to get ahead of myself because I'm clearly going to get ahead of myself. So the Nevada fans will probably like me for this, but. The way Carson Strong is playing, like, there's only a couple quarterbacks that are playing better than him in the country this year. Like, for what he's put up, multiple 400-yard games, per-game base. Like, when you go by a per-game basis, which is what we really should be going on this year with teams playing anywhere from 6 to 12 games, mm-hmm. he is quite efficient. He's finding guys open. He's torching defenses, and he's not even playing full games. Yeah. Like, their QB rating overall, like, it's hard to decipher between, like, Wisconsin and Western Michigan. But, like, they are top 15, but probably a touch higher just because who they play in, like, quarterback rating. Because, or not who they play, but, like, what team Rice has played, like, two games or you have Buffalo. But they're basically a top 10 offensive team. And, like, I'd like their running game to be better a little bit. But Toa Tala showed it was fine last week, and they'll be able to get that done this week. Nevada's just going to boat race them in. The, the line's 63, and Nevada might get 50 of those. Or the over-under is 63. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, there's there's a wild mismatch between <laughs> between Nevada's offense and uh, and New Mexico's pass defense because, you know, through two games, they're, they're allowing opponents to complete 73% of passes mm-hmm. and <laughs> average 9.6 yards per attempt. That is not great. And so I think what it's going to come down to is really the element of ball control because I don't know if the offense is going to be as explosive through the air with Hall under center as it has been with Tuioti. And so I, I think, you know, it depends on, you know, how much are they going to fine-tune offense to really cater to Hall's strengths because what he does maybe a little bit better than Tuioti is – he can utilize his legs. Mm-hmm. In the lone start that he had against Utah State at the end of last year, he ran for 115 yards. He averaged over five yards per carry. And, you know, against a, a defense that was, you know, they've, they've looked sharp, but also, you know, they played Utah State. <laughs> they played UNLV. And New Mexico might be a touch better than that. You know, and so I almost wonder, like, if they're going to lean even more on their ground game, you know, with Bobby Cole, with Hall, with Nathaniel Jones, who kind of burst onto the scene last week, to try and keep Nevada's offense off the field as much as they can and really make it a game of limited possessions. Because if those three guys can can move the chains consistently, you know, if you're looking for a glimmer of hope for the Lobos, like they've been a below average offense as far as you know turning drives into points. 
um, just in terms of like net points per drive, it's like a, just about negative one. But they've uh, they've been better about long drives than they have been about you know medium or short drives. And so I think if they can, even if they get pinned back, if they can have that same kind of success, then they might be able to give themselves a chance in this game. And kind of related to that, even if Nevada is able to make stops, the other thing to keep in mind is that if they can flip field position in their favor there's a good chance they could do that because through two weeks they have the conference's best punter in Tyson Dyer, who has, you know, he only has 10 punts. Seven of them have pinned opponents inside the 20-yard line, and they've only been able to turn those into three touchdowns. And, you know, in terms of, like I said, points per drive, Nevada's been really good about, you know, turning medium or short drives into points, but they've been a little closer to average when it comes to starting inside their own 20. And so if they can get shades of that performance that they had against Wyoming in the opener, if they can stall that passing game even a little bit, that's how they stay in this game, is to force the batter to work for it and to keep them off the field as much as they can on offense. Well, I like how you're trying to shine a bright side for Lobos. Did you know, and a Per game basis, they're already last in the country in yards per allowed in passing. They are the only team. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. They are the only team giving up over 400 yards passing. Arizona State, who's technically one behind them, they've only played one game versus USC. It's mm-hmm. like a 65 yard difference. <laughs> yeah, like they're giving, like you probably mentioned, he's like, but 10, almost 10 yards per attempt allowed. Like, but. Basically, anytime somebody throws the ball versus Lobos, it's, it's going to be a first down if you round up from nine point six to ten, <laughs> which isn't good. Like you're right, no, ball, it's not ball control, keeping away from Carson Strong. But there's no way they'll be like you could give, like if they do amazing ball control, do eight minute drives in this game, multiple like long drive. Let's just say for just for fun, Nevada gets eight possessions to a quarter, mm-hmm. or let's just say they get seven. They're going to score probably seven touchdowns. <laughs> I'm just saying they're probably going to, every time they have the ball, they're probably going to score unless they screw up. Like I don't want to give two be two down to be two down to Mexico, but this Nevada offense is amazing. Like with Toa Tau doing what he did last week, doing improving, he probably will have another big game. But like, there's nothing like besides holding the ball and maybe Trey Hall uses his legs a bit to get, make a few plays on the fly. But I don't see any realistic scenario where Nevada does not win this game and win by a reasonable amount of points. I mean, I think that's fair. Carson I mean, Strong's average is almost really quick, I mean, I think game. the game is going to be decided kind of in the first 15 or 20 minutes of game time. So when it's 20, like if, 28 to 3 at the six-minute mark in the second quarter? Like, if Nevada gets off to a fast start, they'll just do what they did last week against Utah State and use Tawa as kind of a closer because in the first half, I think he only had, like, what, 9, 10 yards but most of that production came in after halftime when he was able to really slam the door on the Aggies. And so it wouldn't surprise me, like, if they can get up, like, 14-3, to 21-10, or something like that, they probably won't mind taking a little bit of pressure off of Strong and just letting the running game handle it from there. So, yeah. So let's, let's get down to predictions. No reason to uh, play this out. What does okay. FEI and SP Plus say? Okay, so Nevada uh, is favored by SP Plus by 15.2. That's an 81% win probability. Um, let's see, FEI, quite as rosy, but they still favor the Wolfpack by 10.2. What's your score? 
Um, I would I would lay those points easily. <laughs> uh, I've got the Wolfpack winning forty-one to twenty. Yeah. Okay. You think they'll get twenty points? Yeah. I was gonna. I'm gonna go forty-five to fourteen. All right then. Big victory there. All right, next game, the last game of the day, UNLV at San Jose State. Spartans looking to go four and zero, four and zero, seven thirty for the first time since nineteen fifty-five. Jeez, over what's that? Seventy years, just about sixty-five years. Just about, yeah. Seven thirty Pacific again. FS two. Thanks for coming back, Pac twelve, to take those spots away. <laughs> but this game is a Spartans favorite. Favorite, not favorite, but you know, I mean, they're favored by 15 and a half. Mm-hmm. What do you see like in UNLV to maybe keep it close? Because UNLV is not great, but Max Gilliam did show some signs last week. They do have Charles Williams. Spartans haven't been here before, so it's kind of a weird territory for him to come in to say, we're going to win. Mm-hmm. What, what is your first like glance at this game for the Rebels to be successful? I mean, I think one thing that it may not be directly on the Rebels to influence it one way or the other, but I think one thing that could influence the game at least a little bit, probably would, is whether or not Nick Starkle plays. Because as of right now, we haven't heard anything about his status one way or the other. You know, Brent Brennan's policy is pretty much like everybody else in the conference. They don't really talk about injuries specifically. So we may not know until Saturday whether it's Starkle or Nick Nash under center. Does it matter? But I it might, because you know what we saw from Starkle in the first couple of weeks is he's got a quick trigger, and he can get the ball out quick. But what we saw, you know, last week, especially early on in that game, was you know San Diego State was able to put a lot of pressure on Nash, forced him to move off the spot, and you know let's not forget. I think we mentioned it on the on the recap podcast. He only completed one of his first seven passes, and so I think what you're looking at is that kind of performance especially considering early on in the first half in last week's game against Fresno State, that was where the Rebels had their most success as far as being able to create pressure of their own. And so I think you're looking for that similar kind of formula up front where you're looking for guys like Jacoby Winman, guys like Adam Plant, to, to continue having that kind of progress because while they've still been a little shaky as far as defending the run, you know they've had a pretty strong performance as far as you know creating a pass rush after three games. Um, you know, their 8.6% sack rate is uh, 24th nationally. And they've been a little better than that in, in standard downs, which is just kind of like your first down, second down mm-hmm. situations, things like that. Um, like, believe it or not, they're a top 20 team in that regard too. And so, you know, if, if Nash is under center and they want to play the kind of offense that they typically do, San Jose State does, that means they're going to be relying a lot on the pass. And if they can force Nash to, to have to throw on the run, if they can force him into mistakes, they could give themselves a chance. I think that's the kind of formula you're looking for if you're a Rebels fan. Yeah, but here's the thing. You say he started, what, 107? He finished 16-25. and 25. Yeah, so, that's the, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's not, I'm not saying it's a foolproof plan, yeah. but I think you're looking for continued strong performances up front. But, but again, that's kind of easier said than done. Because you know, even though Starkle got knocked out, that's still one of the things that you know, San Jose State's been really good about is protecting the quarterback overall. And we know that Nash, like you said, settled into the game, was able to complete throws on the run, was able to extend plays, and they're a top-ten team on offense as far as preventing sacks. 
And in terms of like passing downs, which are the more obvious passing situations, they still haven't allowed a sack this year. So it's it's a path forward for UNLV, mm-hmm. but it's not an easy one for them, I guess is what I'm saying overall. No, you're right on that. But I think also it would help if Nash, because the injury was pretty gnarly that the struggle got tackled on. It wasn't, didn't look all that good. But mm-hmm. him getting a week to prepare and going up against a team that's like, he's basically thrown into the game against the top two defense in the conference, top three at worst for San Diego State. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the numbers, it's like they didn't move the ball very well. Like he only had 169 yards. He led the team in rushing. And they only had 100 plus just over 115 yards as a team rushing the ball. So it's not like they're doing well. Defense um, held the Aztecs, got the Trey Jenkins interception. But it's not like they he came in and lit them up. So that's also credit to them for their defense slow in the Aztecs. But with Nash getting the start, most likely I'm going to assume he will because it makes the most sense. A week of preparedness, going up against a lesser team, I don't think he's going to start off that slow. I'm not going to say he's going to go for what, 300 plus yards to do what Starkle has done in the prior games where he had, um, what do you have, like a couple hundred yards? Um, what, sorry, I'm looking right here. 467 versus New Mexico. I don't think he's mm-hmm. going to get that. But like, I wouldn't be shocked if he were to get 250 easily and run for another 60, like get 300 total yards. That would have surprised me going up against the competition. Yeah. I mean, I think another thing that UNLV can do is, you know, San Jose State's been. Roughly the same as far as you know, creating their own running game as well, and that's something that has really been a hindrance for the for the rebels in the early going. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like you mentioned, Ronnie Rivers a few minutes ago, you know, he went wild against them um, in, in Nevada and San Diego State had similar kinds of success. But in terms of just like raw yards per carry, San Jose State, and this isn't adjusting for sacks or anything, so keep that in mind. But on a per carry basis, they're actually doing worse than they did last year. You know, they're they're only they only have 3.24 yards per carry on the ground. And so I think, you know, that is another thing to keep in mind in this game, you know, especially if San Jose State's got to work their way down the field. You know, they might be able to hold their own even if Nash is the one under center. But it's something else to keep an eye on, you know, if if UNLV can force them to be one-dimensional, force them to create plays. Again, still not a great matchup for the Rebels, but that's something else that could work out in their favor, especially if they can force mistakes um, in a way that, you know, they they kind of sort of did with Fresno State a little bit last week. They, they were able to play them to a draw, especially in that first half, and it wasn't really until the offense made mistakes late that the game got away from them. I think you're kind of looking for the same kind of thing in this one. So let's we'll slip inside. Like, what does UNLV bring to the table? Charles Williams, clearly. Max mm-hmm. Gilliams looked better. Spartans defense, like we the running game has showed up. We're running defense, obviously. Like we saw mm-hmm. they held against Air Force. San Diego State didn't go crazy running against them on the ground. It was just uh yeah, Greg Bill did have a hundred yards, but overall it's includes sack yardage, but two point two. Like their main running backs, like Greg Bill, yeah, four four is pretty good. Chance Bell only two six. Like Charles Williams is better than that, so that's how Rebels can probably stick around. But the it, the days are gone, I believe, of the Spartans' rush defense allowing like five plus yards per carry as a team. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you're still kind of waiting on the Charles Williams breakout because he's he's been better from week to week, especially since they've you know decided to give him more more work uh, in a timely fashion. You know, he had 27 carries last week, but he only had 89 yards. 
but they, you know, his work was still able to keep the rebels in the game. You know, he made them focus on him and open up other avenues for that offense to really uh, to beat the bulldogs. But I think what you want in this game is you want him to, you know, find more running lanes to crack the century mark. I think that's it's a similar kind of game plan to what we talked about a few minutes ago with New Mexico and Nevada. Like you really want to be able to limit possessions in this game, especially if Starkle's under center. Yeah. And so like, I, I think they, yeah, that's what you definitely want to do if it's Starkle there. Cause I think they're going to win either way, but you're right. Like rebels need Williams to have that breakout game. Like, I don't know. It also put like, cause they, like if, they, if they get into a shootout, I don't trust, UNLV no. to be able to keep no. up with them. Let's put it that way. Not a chance. I agree. Gilliam has his four TDs to two picks, but he's also been sacked 13 times. In... Yeah, it hasn't been great. And that's something else that San Jose State has been better about in the early going too. Like, gets the quarterback, knock around whoever's back there. But I, I think um, the 15 and a half might be a bit much if it's Nash. If it's Starkle, I'd probably take it. But with it being likely Nick Nash, I don't. I think that's too many points because partially we haven't seen what Nick Nash has done when he gets a full week to prepare, so I'd be hesitant to take that. More of a stay away than put money either way on it if you're going to do so just because of the um, uncertainty, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I think I'd feel comfortable saying Spartans could win by about two touchdowns. Yeah, interestingly, uh, the advanced numbers don't necessarily share your uh, your caution <laughs> um they both favor the spartan they both they both favor the spartans big um you know the sp plus favors sjsu by 18.5 that's an 86 percent win probability fei uh, favors them by 16.8 but again you know you mentioned earlier does it does it account for injuries or anything like that it does not so keep that in mind if you're putting money on this game so my pick like like i said like if, if I'm going to give like case, the case for the Rebels, it has to be Charles Williams getting more carries and getting about 120 yards, uh, protect the quarterback, and then also have Max Gillian be efficient and maybe run for 40 yards of his own. And then mm. for San Jose State, they do. They also, we should not gloss over their running game hasn't been great for San Jose State. So yeah. that's an area if Nick Nash has to do it all, if, if he's a starter and has to run and throw a lot, that could be a concern because – their leading rusher on the year, Nick Nash, 83 yards. Total. Mm-hmm. Tyler Nevins, who they seem seemingly like, has only 73. So that's an area. So if UNLV can force them to throw more, which it may not matter because maybe Nick Nash can do it and complete all the passes. But if he's if they make them throw and the running, running game gets stuffed, bad, only bad things happen. Like when you throw the ball, a catch, incomplete interception, two or three are bad. That could happen on a passing play. Those aren't good odds. <laughs> and so that's, I think, what the Rebels need to do is if they can force them to uh, throw the ball more. Like, if the running game's not going to make them throw more than they feel comfortable with, that's how they can do it. But it's going to take a lot more scenarios go right for Rebels to win than Spartans to lose. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Winman and Plant against Jackson Snyder and Jamie Navarro is going to do a lot to determine how this game unfolds. My prediction is... I think I'll pick third. I'll go thirty to eight, thirty to seventeen for San Jose State. Yeah, I've got it a little bit closer than that. I think UNLV will be able to stay in this game probably a little longer than a lot of people expect, um, especially if Starkle doesn't play. But I would, I think that the Spartans will ultimately be able to keep the Rebels at arm's length. So I have it a little bit closer, but I'm going to take San Jose State to win thirty to twenty-one. 
I think yeah, that's uh, I, I can say that too. But I, I just think fifteen and a half is just way too much for the uncertainties we like. <clears throat> Even if it was Starkle, I'd be probably be okay taking it. But I'm still not comfortable because maybe it's just a brand, the non brand name is San Jose State football. Like we need to kind of wash that away since they're three and zero, and they beat San Diego State, who most people predicted to be the best team out west in the in this conference. So that's what we got. So anything else we need to re- talk about this week? We went through all the games. Remember, no Wyoming Air Force. Find your FS2 on the dial and Team One Sports app, right? There you go. So check us out, MWR.com. Come back next uh, Sunday. We'll have the pre- not preview recap podcast. We'll have previews up right now. we got all sorts of stuff going on. If you like it, tell a friend. Leave a review. That would be very helpful for us to get more people to tune in and listen to what we're doing here. So we'll see you next time when we um, recap week um, technically, officially, Matt. Week 11 is here.